This morning, we're gonna continue our study that we've been doing on the minor prophets and that we've been calling the minor prophets with major messages. And though the prophets have little tiny writings in the Old Testament, that doesn't mean that their message was any less significant. They had powerful messages that spoke into their time and into their people that was exactly what they needed to hear in their time. Though sometimes the prophets were never listened to, other times they were. They had messages that were timely and key, especially the prophet that we're going to talk about today. And last week we talked about a unique prophet who was Jonah. And we learned through Jonah that it wasn't so much what Jonah had to say, but it was Jonah's experience in life that taught us the message that God wanted us to hear. That God is a deliverer who is full of mercy to follow his plan for your life. And today we're going to talk about the next prophet in the book of the 12, known as the minor prophets, who is Micah. Micah is a unique prophet, and I've come to appreciate and, and glean a lot from Micah, because as you read Micah, if you take some time, maybe you already have, or go this week and read through Micah, you hear Micah's heart in what he has to say. Though he is prophesying to his people, to his brothers and sisters, his family, he shares a heart for them. His, his message is not so much a message of accusations as it is a, a, a voice of solidarity and feeling among them. It's a sense of lamenting and mourning of what used to be and how they are now. And so Micah was prophesying, as several of the other minor prophets was, at the end of the divided kingdom of Israel and Judah. And he was at that time when things were beginning to go south for both of them right before their captivity. And so Micah was prophesying to them, especially in regard to their sinful practices. As many of the other minor prophets, he began to call out what they were experiencing and what they were dealing with and told them how what God was going to about to do because of that. Micah called out to them about their uh, their false worship, their fraud, their bribery, their occult practices, their injustices, the oppression. There was greed in the land. All of these Micah mentions several times. And many times we hear about Micah mentioning about an injustice in the land and how God is just, is just and righteous in trying to correct those. Greed covered the land. And what was happening is this began to be very personal for Micah because he did not want to see the judgment that was coming upon their people. And, you know, sometimes it's easy when you read the Minor Prophets, if you have like me and you think, man, this just feels really heavy and hard. And wow, is this really is this really who God is? And you think, what am I? What, how do I appropriate this text to my life? But I think what happens a lot of times is when we read the context of the Minor Prophets or even of the other prophets, we don't realize the exact context of their practices and the sin that was in the land. And Micah was beginning to call that out and show them that there is sin in the land. And because of that, God is just and God is righteous. And there is a consequence and there is judgment for sin, just like you and I, which we're going to talk about more in a few moments. And basically, Micah summed it up this way at the end of his letter. And he said this, the faithful have disappeared from the land and there is no one left who is upright. What a devastating statement for Micah to say as he looked across the land and he said, there's no one left who's upright. There's no one who honors God. Basically, things have declined to a terrible point 
of, of life. And so ultimately, Micah would say in chapter three that they are going to cry to the Lord and he's not going to hear them and his face is going to be hidden from them because they have acted wickedly. And ultimately, we're going to learn from this today is that communion with God. This is key today. Communion with God and our relationship with God can become clouded by sin. And even so, Micah shows them that not just their relationship with God, but their lives had begun to become deteriorated by the effects of sin. And we're going to hear this even more so in a few moments. And so Micah's message is going to be summed up in chapter one in verse three. When he says this, Micah chapter one, verse three, he says, for lo, the Lord is coming out of his place and will come down and tread upon the high places of the earth. Micah's message is this. He starts off his book by saying that verse, and this is the message that is carried throughout the rest of his writing. The Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. It's simple, really. But it was the message that Israel and Judah needed to hear, and even we need to hear today. The Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. So first, I want to go back and talk about this concept of sin, this judgment for sin that Micah talks about so strongly in his writing. You know, Micah, he really brings down this uh, idea and putting in our hearts that God has a distaste for evil, right? If God is righteous, then there's no place for evil in his presence. Judgment is coming against all injustice and oppression, and the atrocities of Micah's day were absolutely horrific. And Micah begins to call them out, just like even so, sin is still present in our world today. But what we have to understand when we read Micah, and I think sometimes it's easy to read over and miss, that there is a consequence for sin. There is a judgment for sin. That's all of us, you and I, myself included, that all of us, apart from God, we are sinful creatures. And because of our sinful nature, because of the consequences of sin, all of us have a judgment because of that. And Romans chapter six says it this way, that the wages of sin is death, right? And we know that to be true. We know that to be true from the garden. When Adam and Eve were in the garden and they disobeyed God and sin crept upon the earth. And so it's important to remember as we're reading through the minor prophets, as we have been reading through them, that there is a price to pay for sin. And Israel and Judah were discovering that. But ultimately, Micah does not leave it all there. Wouldn't it be devastating if I just left the message, we closed it up and walked out of here today and says, there is a consequence for sin and no hope. That would be devastating to all of us here today. But that is the joy of this season, that though there is a consequence for sin, though there is judgment for sin, there is hope in the birth of Christ because God put on human flesh and came down for you and I. There is hope of forgiveness. There's hope of restoration. There's hope of a pardon because of the Messiah who has come in his coming again to make right every injustice. 
Really, what Micah is beginning to do is show them their lostness. He's calling out the evil in the land and he's saying, God has this against you and this against you. And I'm lamenting and mourning because of God's judgment coming upon us. And he's showing them how lost and dark it was in their state in order for them to see their need for a savior. If we're going to realize our need for a savior, we first have to have a full realization of our lostness in and of ourselves as humans. Right. That's what brings us to repentance is when you wake up or maybe you have this in your life. You realize I am lost and apart from God, I'm nothing. I need Jesus in my life. So therefore, the Bible says, confess that Jesus is Lord. Open up with your mouth and you will be saved. And it teaches us the basic principles of salvation. And that's what Micah was beginning to do for them, to show them their lostness and their dark, sinful state and their need for a savior. And then Micah begins to go and paint this beautiful picture about one who is about to come, whose name is Jesus. You know, the season that we're in right now is the beginnings of a season called Advent. And Advent is a Latin word that means coming. And this is a season that is celebrated in the Christian community all over the world as we work up in the weeks anticipating Christ's birth. And it's a season of joyful anticipation that Christ came for you and I, and he is coming again. And Micah is a beautiful prophet to paint us the picture of Advent, the season of waiting. How many of you like to wait? No, nobody likes to wait, right? It's hard, it's difficult, it's challenging, we get impatient. But the season of Advent teaches us this idea of waiting. And Micah also paintages that picture because he tells us this message, the Lord is coming. Now, isn't it something that Micah tells them the Lord is coming? In other words, he makes them wait. He says he's coming. He's not here yet, but he's on the way. So in other words, they have this idea that they have to be waiting. A famous German theologian during World War II who opposed the Nazi regime of Hitler, his name was Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he said this beautiful quote that it teaches us a little bit about waiting in the season of Advent. And he says this, that whoever does not know the austere blessedness of waiting, that is of hopefully doing without, will never experiencing, experience the full blessing of fulfillment. In other words, we have to get to the place where we don't have what we need now in order to have the fulfillment that we will have when it comes. And that's what Bonhoeffer was trying to relay to them was that waiting teaches us the beauty of fulfillment because when it comes, you know it and you celebrate it and you are excited about it. And that was the story of Micah and ultimately the birth of Christ, right? When all the shepherds and angels and people gathered around that in a manger, they were hopefully excited and anticipating because Christ had come after hundreds of years of waiting for the Messiah. Messiah, he had finally come. Bonhoeffer went on to say that we have become so accustomed to the idea of a divine love and of God's coming at Christmas that we no longer feel the shiver of fear that God's coming should arouse in us. In other words, while God is this beautiful baby born in a manger, he is also the same God whom we should approach with fear and reverence, something that is lacking in our world more and more every day. 
There's no fear for God in the land. There's no reverence for the Lord. It's not that we are afraid of God, but it's this idea of respect and honoring the Lord. And so scripture tells us about the Lord's coming and the minor prophets were giving these little inklings of a prophecy about Jesus's coming in order to build up this joyful expectation and hope for Christ. And ultimately, the message of Christ's coming is intended to keep us looking for the highly anticipated Jesus. Isn't it good that God gives us little glimpses of hope? If it was just stuck where they were at, if Micah had just left judgment upon them and God's doom upon them, it would have been very depressing. But Micah gave them, as the Lord enabled him, a hope and a glimpse of a future promise whose name was Jesus. And these words are words that we ought to hold on to and treasure because as God fulfilled his promises to the people of Israel and Judah, so does God fulfill his promises to you and I. He fulfilled his promise because we see that Jesus came and was born. And so when Jesus promises us again that he is coming again, we can likewise hold on to the promises of God's word and trust him for his highly anticipated return. So Micah goes on to say, who is coming? And Micah gives us this picture of two, two images of God that we're going to see in Micah chapter 2, verse 12. I want to read this for you. Micah chapter 12, 2, 12, he says, I will surely gather all of you, O Jacob. I will gather the survivors of Israel and I will set them together like a sheep in a fold, like a flock in its pasture, and it will resound with the people. Micah begins to tell them about God, who is the great shepherd, right? In John chapter 10, Jesus tells them that he is the shepherd, that no one enters into the pasture only but through him. And so Micah likewise begins to paint this picture of a shepherd king. And he goes on to say that their king will pass on before them the Lord at their head. And Micah is giving him this image to show them that though Judgment is coming upon them. Ultimately, they have this hope that God is the shepherd who will gather them, who will protect them and will comfort them. What a promise to you and I today that the same shepherd over Israel and Judah is the same shepherd to you and I who will gather, who will protect and comfort his people, which was his heart all along. The years of chasing after the people of Israel and Judah, that's all he wanted to be was the shepherd king. But they kept refusing them over and over and over again. This gives us a better light of what Jesus meant in the parable of the lost sheep, how there was 99 sheep, but yet the shepherd went after the one. That was God all along going after the one. He chased after them over and over and over again. So first we learned that he's coming as a shepherd king. And secondly, we see this famous scripture that comes from Micah that we will read many times through this Christmas season. And it says this in Micah chapter five, verse two. But you, O Bethlehem of Ephrathath, who are one of the little clans of Judah, from you shall come forth from me one who is to rule in Israel, whose origin is from old, from ancient days, and he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall live secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be the one of peace." 
What a beautiful scripture. Now think about this for a moment. Here is, here is Israel and Judah. And all of they, their history has been in the past several years of their history at this point has been kings that have been absolutely in a decline, in a sinful state. They have been rebellious towards God. And so now think about it in this context. That is what the people of Israel and Judah have seen, have been kings that have been constantly disappointing. But now Micah stands up and prophesies and says to them that there's going to be a king and a ruler coming and he's going to live secure for he's going to be great to the ends of the earth and he shall be the one of peace. Now, if I was in Israel and Judah at that time and I heard those words that there's going to be one who's going to be the one of peace, how encouraging that would have been to know that God is the God of peace and that there's one coming from that little town of Bethlehem who's going to be that ruler. Isn't it amazing that Micah could stand away hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus' birth and tell them there is one coming and he's going to be a great ruler whose origins is from ancient of days. Speaking of God himself, really what Micah was telling them, God is about to come into this earth and put on human flesh. And you know what this season teaches us is it's a reminder that though they were living in a dark world, this is especially true for us now. I think this year has shown us the devastation and the effects of humanity and sin upon humanity as we live surrounded by disease and plague and chaos around us, that it showed us that the same Jesus who was willing to enter into the sinful and dark state of Israel and Judah is the same Jesus who is willing to be Emmanuel, God with us in the middle of a global pandemic. And that's what M Micah was telling them, that there's a shepherd king coming and he's also the Messiah. He's the promised one. He's the promised one. You and I have the hope today that we can look, uh, look up to heaven and we have the hope that the Messiah who gave promises over and over again, not just to Micah, but to Isaiah, uh, Zechariah, Zephaniah, among many of the others, that he was going to come in Bethlehem, born in a manger, be a ruler. He's going to be a wonderful counselor, a mighty God. And he fulfilled every word of that, that you and I can read the words of God and know that they are true to you and I, that he came once before. And as he says, he's coming again. That is our joyful anticipation and hope. For me personally, this season, I've been stuck on that. I've been stuck on the idea that Jesus has come and he's coming again. And it is our hope. It is what's driving me. It's what's pushing me that in the blessedness of waiting, I have discovered that there's going to come a moment where there's going to be a fulfillment and there's going to be an even greater blessing in fulfillment, as Bonhoeffer said. Micah gives us this expectation of hope in the coming birth of Christ in Bethlehem. And if there's ever a message that our world needed to hear right now, it's this word right here. That old Bethlehem, little town of Bethlehem. It was a little town. Nobody expected anything of Bethlehem. And Micah confirms that. There's going to come forth from one from you. And he's going to rule in Israel. He's going to rule in Israel. Think about that. In this day and age, they've got people who are fighting against each other. They're, they're getting ready to overcome them and take them. The Assyrians are about to take them captive. The Babylonians are about to come in. They're about to live under Nebuchadnezzar. But there's one who's going to rule in Israel, and his name is Jesus. And his origin is from old, from ancient days. 
what comfort Micah gives. There's a shepherd king and there's a Messiah. And this season, you and I, we have the hope and expectation of the arrival of Christ. You can look to the manger and find hope. You can look to the star in the sky as hope. You can look to the wise men that traveled all the way for such a long distance as to get to that baby because they knew that there was hope in that child. And in the middle of the season we're in right now, can I tell you today, there is hope and his name is Jesus. Musicians are going to come and I want to leave you with this final picture that we see through Micah. As Micah tells them about their judgment for sin, and this is important that we don't leave here today and we minimize the effects of sin. All of us here today, we need to understand that sin is devastating. It causes destruction. It causes chaos. It causes separation. And because of that, you and I don't have peace of, with God. So Jesus came to the earth so that you and I may not live under the effects of sin, but now may live peacefully in relationship with him. And this was the Micah, this was the message Micah was preaching to them. The Lord is coming. Watch out. There's judgment coming, but the Lord is coming. It's not going to end there. There's hope of forgiveness, restoration, and promise. And it's amazing to me that unlike many of the other minor prophets, we don't really read much about them in other places. But there was one other major prophet who talks about Micah, and his name was Jeremiah. And Jeremiah talks about Micah and talks about how he preached the message in his day to a king whose name was Hezekiah. And Hezekiah was a very honorable king who loved the Lord and petitioned the Lord and uh, petitioned the Lord for even his very own life when he knew his life was about to end. And God gave him addition of days unto his life. But Jeremiah talks about Micah and says that was it not because of Micah? that Hezekiah, that he didn't put him to death? Did he not fear the Lord and entreat the favor of the Lord? And did not the Lord relent of the disaster that he had pronounced against them? And if you go in and you read about Hezekiah, what's amazing is, is that under the rule of Hezekiah, the land of Israel experienced a revival, or Judah experienced revival in their land. They experienced a relenting of God's judgment coming upon them because Hezekiah heeded the words of Micah. In other words, what is beginning to happen is Micah is beginning to paint a theme that we're going to see in the rest of the minor prophets, that revival is imminent when you heed the words of the Lord. And Micah would go on to say and tell them in all of his judgment of coming upon them. And he says, please hear the Lord, turn to him, listen to him. And he uses that word here multiple times. He says to them, finally, right before he wraps up his book, he says, but as for me, I'm going to look to the Lord. I'm going to wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. I'm going to wait for the God who's going to come out of Bethlehem. I'm going to wait for the God who is the great shepherd, Micah would say. And he goes on to finish his writing by saying, he will again have compassion on us. You know, the situation is true that history repeats itself, that here is a world that is devastated by the effects of sin of people that are rebellious towards God. But Micah points them back and Hezekiah heeds the words. And so therefore, revival comes in the land. 
And wouldn't it be amazing if we as God's people and as God's as, as a nation would begin to heed the words of God and realize there is judgment for sin, but yet there's one who willing, willingly came to be born in a manger so that you and I might experience peace, reconciliation and life through him again, that he will again have compassion on us. As we joyfully anticipate Christ's birth, may we joyfully anticipate a revival of the church, a revival of our nation, a revival and move and repentance of people turning to the Father once again. That's what I want to see. I want to see it all across this community and in our city and in the nations of the earth, people giving their hearts as we sang this morning, bow down and worship Him. As Micah says, there's only one ruler who's coming. He's the great shepherd king. As we reflect upon the words of Micah today, may we be reminded there's only one who gives peace. There's only one who gives hope. And in this season of waiting of the Lord's coming, there's hope for us in the world that we're in. It's easy to look around right now and be distracted, to be dismayed and live in fear and wondering what's going to happen tomorrow. But I want to encourage you, like Micah was trying to tell them, you're looking right here. You're looking at the effects of sin and the devastation. But look to the one who is coming. And that's where you're going to get the hope, the blessedness of waiting for Jesus. Will you stand with me this morning? As we read in Romans, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The choir is going to come. You and I have a great gift today, and the gift is Jesus. And Micah reminds us of that, and Hezekiah reminded us of that, that if we'll just listen to the words of God, if we'll heed his words, revival is imminent, and I want to see that. Would you close your eyes with me this morning? You're here today. Maybe you're in a sinful state. Maybe you're in a place where sin has overcome your life and you're living under the effects of sin. Listen, I want to tell you today, we all have. But there comes a point where you have to realize, I need Jesus like the people of Israel and Judah had to realize. That in the middle of our devastation because of sin, I need a Savior rescue me and pull me from this mess. There's only one who can do that today. And his name is Jesus. And he has promised hope today for you. This isn't the end. It doesn't have to end this way. But if you'll give your life to him and follow him, there is a joyful anticipation you can live with. Maybe you're here today and you're just feeling dismayed, discouraged by the situation of our world today. Maybe you've got something going on in your life today. I want to remind you today to find the joy in Christ's coming. He came in a manger and he's coming again. Would you look to him? Maybe you need to pray this morning right where you're at, kneeling, lifting up your hands. Can we just take a moment here and lift our eyes to the Lord today? Father, we turn our hope to you this morning. Lord, my hope is not in anything in this world. As Micah has said, I will wait for the Lord. I will wait for the Lord. I will look to you, Lord. You're the God of my salvation, Lord. 
God, though I'm reminded of the effects of sin upon me, I'm even more reminded of what a wonderful Savior you are. That, Lord, you didn't have to come. You came because you loved us, because you cherished us. And so, Lord, today, may we live in peace with you through repentance. May we make our hearts right with you today, God. May we put our eyes upon you, Lord. I don't want to look at be depressed by this world, but I want to find the joy in Jesus today in this season. That though the world may be in chaos, there is one who is seated on the throne. He's the shepherd king who will protect and watch over his people. And so, Lord, today we trust in you this morning. Father, I want to pray for my friends who are battling with some things in their lives. They're struggling, they're stressing, they're worrying. I pray today that they might find the joy in Christ's coming, that they may find the hope it is to be in Jesus, our Savior. And Lord, we thank you today. We look to you this morning. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. As the choir sings, would you call upon the Lord in your own way? Talk to Him. Lift up your voice to Him today. Maybe you need to make some things right with Him today. Call to Him this morning as we sing.